0: Mackling and McGarry on 680-CJOB. Teacher Appreciation Week started on February 12th. though so Sunday goes until the 18th, celebrating the tremendous influence of Manitoba teachers on children's lives. And we have three in-studio guests. We have... Norm Gould, who is the president of the Manitoba Teachers Society. We have Nadia, oh, and I should have confirmed this off the air. I'm going to take a guess, Nadia Cantafio.
1: Yeah, nice job.
0: Excellent. She is a grade four and five teacher at Lakewood School. And we have Naomi Cruz, who is the executive director of the Manitoba Association of Parent Councils, all three of us joining us live on 680 CJOB.
2: Welcome to the studio. Oh, good afternoon. Thank you. Always great to see you, And When was it? uh, Just a couple of weeks ago, Brett, we did a a piece on teachers, and we asked our listeners to text or call in with memories of their favorite teachers, and we were flooded by our listeners of teachers that had an effect on them in their early years or maybe in high school, and it was uh, heartwarming to see because I think every single one of us have a teacher that affected them in a way that we carry with us to this very day. In fact, I I tell the story of the speech that I gave uh, called Blame It on a Teacher. Very uh, very tongue-in-cheek speech. You know, basically, if you're successful in life, you ought to blame it on a teacher because teachers are at the root of so many of the things that we've uh, accomplished in in our lives and Norm, as president of the Manitoba Teachers Society uh, it's got to be a a great source of pride for you to represent people who have such an effect on our community, on our society.
3: I have the best job in the world being the president of uh, the Manitoba Teachers Society and representing over 15,000 public school teachers in the province and with that I'd like to uh, on behalf of my members send my condolences or our condolences to the families. Of uh, the, the, the bus driver, that was a horrific incident and uh, our hearts uh, go out to that. So, uh, But it's fantastic uh, and happy Teacher Appreciation Week and happy Valentine's Day and, and it's great to see Naomi and uh, Nadia here as well and uh, it's fantastic. Teachers, we uh, touch the lives of our kids and sometimes uh, uh, we see the results firsthand and sometimes it's years later when they present themselves.
0: Well, and it really is uh, in terms of the effect that a teacher can have on a child's life. I mean outside of parents or guardians the teacher is probably the grown-up that a kid will see the most
3: during a week. Yeah well when you figure out the amount of time right at eight thirty in the morning the kids get dropped off and uh, they're there until 3 30 formally in classes then after school whether they're meeting with teachers or participating in extracurricular activities and evenings and weekends you know uh, parents have that have their role certainly but uh, from September until the end of June uh, teachers play a very, very important role in uh, the lives of the students and kids.
2: So, Natty, you teach grade four and five at Lakewood School. I know there are a lot of people that have the impression that, you know, your day starts at nine and it ends <laughs> at 3.30 and... You know, you have summers off and you have two weeks at Christmas and another week at spring break. It's got to be the easiest job in the world. Why don't you share with people what a typical day looks for Nadia?
1: Well, a typical day, I mean, teachers' jobs are not the nine to five job. And what we do is we get to school early. We're getting stuff ready. We're getting things prepared. We have this whole day with our kids. A lot of us are running lunch programs as well, whether it's extra help in academics or sports. And then after school, like Norm mentioned, we have other after school activities. You go home, you're going through assessments, you're getting ready for report cards. I mean, my family always jokes that we're in report card season. That's when I get grouchy, but (laughs) it's because report card season is, you know, every day. Um, But I think the other thing too is that it's not only the academic piece that we're looking at with these kids, it's also the social emotional, right? So we want them to be flourishing in all areas and kind of taking that holistic child view. So we can't really clock out at four o'clock if we know our kids are struggling with something and we're trying to find a different way to make things work. So um, it's, it's nonstop nonstop for sure.
0: You mentioned, uh, holistic and I, that just got me thinking, I'm wondering in this day and age, if you have to discipline a child, I remember, in, <laughs> and I, even when I was in grade six, this was, I don't know how many, 30 years ago now, probably, uh, a, a teacher dragged a student out of class who was frustrating him. Mm-hmm. And even then I thought, Whoa, that's Probably not good. So what do you yeah. do now if a student is is getting out of line, especially at the uh, precocious age of grade four and five?
1: I think it really comes down to relationships. Um, never in my teaching career has that ever happened or I've ever come to the point where I'm like, oh my goodness, what am I going to do? Because relationships matter. And if you have really good connections with kids and relationships, um, that's what helps you kind of guide your day. And so when it comes down to it, um, it's really about what what do I need and what do you need, right? Like, okay, I need you to get this math sheet done, right? You want a break. We can both make that happen. So really communicating with our kids, um, and they all have different needs. I mean, you know, mental wellness is a huge piece of that now, and there's always a reason for every behavior. And I think talking to kids and having that communication and, again, the relationship. The relationship is the basis and the foundation of everything.
2: And you talk about communication with all the technology available. the Ability for teachers to communicate not only with their students, Mm -hmm. but with parents. And maybe that's where we can bring Naomi into the conversation as executive director of the Manitoba Association of Parent Councils. That relationship between parents and teachers, is it as strong as ever, Naomi?
4: Um, It's certainly strong. It's one of the more more important relationships that parents are going to have on behalf of their children. Is going to be with their classroom teacher. And if the communication isn't strong, then that's when the problems arise. And I know I've been in many conversations with Norm where we've been very in-depth in these conversations about the need for strong communication patterns. Um, It's got to go beyond just the report card because a report card is only one tool that you're going to use when you're communicating with a parent and when a parent needs to communicate with a teacher. If that open line isn't there, it can certainly impact the relationship a great deal.
0: (laughs) We, what is the uh, Manitoba Association of Parent Councils?
4: Uh, we, are, we represent the parental voice in Manitoba's education system, um, with the exception of the DSFM. That's a Division Society. Oh my goodness! Francophone de Manitoba. Thank you, Norm. <laughs> I just I stumbled there, and I didn't want to keep that's going. Um, but with the exception of DSFM, we represent the parental voice in all education matters with the province. So we're one of the five major stakeholder stakeholders. Uh, working alongside of MTS, Manitoba school superintendents, the school board officials, and the school board trustees.
3: And so what uh, Naomi's talking about, we sit at a lot of tables together, Naomi Mm
4: -hmm.
3: and I, representing the the teachers of Manitoba. And, uh, you know, uh, it's great to have this level of communication and and establishing trust at the very high level, and it trickles down certainly into schools. And we all know the important role that uh, parents Parent councils play in each of the schools. There's 690 schools, I understand, in the province of Manitoba. And So it's a great relationship, and this week is a celebration of that. And so all across this province, uh, I stopped by my son's school today, and the cupcakes and and, and and the snacks that are dropped off in the in the staff room, and, and it is it is uh, a love fest this week between uh, parents and uh, uh, community people and, uh, appreciating the work of teachers and. Uh, as uh, Nadia had said, you know, it's uh, it's not a nine to five job, and and we we recognize here in, in, in education, it's one of those uh, critical things that people seem to have an op- opinion on all the time. Is that uh, uh, a majority of Manitobans have attended public schools, so they uh, a lot of them feel that they're the authority on what's working and what doesn't work with schools, and uh, it's quite interesting to hear some of the opinions. But uh, when you talk to uh, someone like Nadia in the classroom and, and the parents, it's
2: that's when the rubber hits the road. Well, much like our sports teams in the community, if people aren't complaining about their performance Mm -hmm. on ice or on the field, that means people don't care. And so if people are feeding back and if you're only hearing crickets, that's not a good sign. the fact that people are feeding back and are saying and having suggestions and and, and having their input, what are some of the things that you're hearing, Norm, about where – Parents and, and the public at large, right? Because even if you don't have children, you're an investor in mm-hmm. the public school system as a taxpayer, as a rate payer. People have opinions. Mm-hmm. What are you hearing uh, that that people really like and mm-hmm. and maybe some things that people would like to see more of? Well, I know
3: that uh, even I was listening on air here uh, last week, I believe, on OB, where there are some people on here that were making some comments about, oh, my younger brother's in high school in grade 10, and he doesn't have any tests, and there's no more testing in schools in Manitoba, and there's these urban myths that uh, go around uh, that are, that are totally incorrect and, and I think are disingenuous and, and don't paint uh, uh, public education in the province of Manitoba very well, whether it's, oh, you can't give zeros, you can't penalize kids and they don't have homework anymore i think that uh, the school system now as it was uh, quite different uh, when I went to school in the 70s, is a far, far more vibrant and the communication between parents and teachers and the activities, extracurricular, the, the, the variety of, uh, of ways to assess kids or teach kids and uh, the advent of the internet. There's this thing, uh, www. I don't know what the heck, and you can use those uh, lots of ideas. You can share uh, ideas with people from any, any part of this country or any part of the world, and uh, it enhances uh, every single classroom. So there's so many tremendous things that are going on every single day. I was
4: going to say, just following up on what Norm said too, it's what the degree of what um, parents are involved in schools now, because I grew up with my mom and dad going to the school tea and to parent teacher interviews. That was it. And nowadays parents are far more engaged in the school system than they were when I was a kid. And it can be, you know, it can be surprisingly uh, beneficial for Mm -hmm. schools when they really buy into the idea of parental engagement as enhancing education, um, so I know and mm-hmm. back at you, Norm, about the sitting on the, on lots of tables and the conversation. Well, I totally agree. Have, you
3: know the, the level of communication, the advent of email and the communication. so parents aren't blindsided anymore to a degree with the report card. Wait a second. Where mm-hmm. did this come from? Is that uh, you know the open lines of communications, whether it's email or by phone or popping by the school and the involvement of, of parents in their, in their children's uh, education is, uh, is far better than it was many, many years ago. So uh, I'm very, very proud of the way we are right now.
1: In our classroom, we have a quote. It's called uh, Teamwork Makes the Dream Work. And it's all, we have all our family photos on there as well, because teamwork really is families and the school and the teachers and the kids. So that is truly to make the team really proceed forward and make the dreams work in our classroom. It takes everyone, every stakeholder.
3: And then the kids. Uh they don't think they can get away with as much when there's that much degree of communication between the parents and, and the teachers back in the day. I uh, You know, you could rush home and, and intercept a letter from the school going home, and and I hope Bob Gould never got it, and uh, you know, or, or uh, delete a message on the answering machine. But now there's so many ways that parents can communicate with teachers and vice versa that, uh, you know, there's uh, it's very, very difficult for kids to uh, duck and hide right now.
0: One question before we pause and check our forecast. In this day where... Everybody's got cell phones and all this modern communication. I'll direct this question to you, Nadia, as a teacher in grade 4 and 5. Do kids still pass notes? In class? No. <laughs> no? Is it no, all? No, I
1: keep them too busy. They don't have time. <laughs>
0: <laughs> good for you. But That's just to answer. kind of go back
1: on that note on technology, I mean, we have classroom Instagram now and classroom blogs and classroom tech services. So, I mean, I'm constantly in contact with parents every day. They can check the Instagram. And by the time the kid gets home from school, it's like, "Not what did you do today? Hey, I saw that you're working on that human rights project today. How did that go? So it really engages the conversation to follow up at home through social media as well.
0: That's very clever. We'll get some more information on that momentarily, but we do need to check our forecast. We have in studio for Teacher Appreciation Week, Norm Gould, who is the president of the Manitoba Teacher Society, Nadia Cantafio, who is a grade 4 and 5 teacher at Lakewood School, and Naomi Cruz, who is executive director of the Manitoba Association of Parent Councils.
2: Mackling and McGarry, your forecast next on 680. CJOB? 123. On this February 14th, St. Valentine's Day, it's also the heart, get that, of Teacher and Staff Appreciation Week uh, across, I guess, it's a, is it across Manitoba or Canada, Norm Gould? It's, uh, it's all across Canada, as a matter of
3: fact. And uh, I have a note here that it was originally created years ago by the Canadian Home and School Federation. And I know through tweets that I'm following online is that uh, all across Canada and out east right now, as it's moving west, uh, there's celebrations and uh, some great S- stuff
2: out there. You know, and it says staff appreciation, and mm-hmm. we'd be remiss if we didn't mention the outstanding administrators, uh, the folks in the office. Educational and, uh, assistants, I was, I was reminded today, assistants. you've got custodians, you have everyone, it, it is like a
3: concert orchestra, uh, pulling that off in the schools on a daily basis. You've got the bus drivers, you have the maintenance staff, everyone uh, does their job. Their role uh, in in making schools uh, safe and enjoyable. it's It's fantastic to watch everybody interacting.
0: So one of the things that we mentioned off the air, I heard Nadia uh, Cantafio, who's a grade four and five teacher at Lakewood School. Nadia, you said something about research shows homework doesn't work. Did I hear you correctly?
1: That is right. So there's a lot of research out there. Um, I'm not sure. Some people in the education system or people who have worked um, with children, there's a lot of great advancements in Finland right now with the Finnish system. And why is it working? Why are kids more successful in Finland? Well, because they have more time to play and explore and you know have those critical time to have that critical thinking skills. They also, homework doesn't work. There's no point sending them home to, you know, beat a dead horse for something they're not understanding. That learning should be done at school. And in Finland, they say the time at home should be to connect with families, to connect with their friends, build relationships, uh, friendships. So um, homework doesn't get sent out a lot in my classroom. Unless they're not finished something, it's not something that is usually a common practice. And
2: I mean, let's be honest, if you have homework, it's because you haven't completed the work in class. And mm-hmm. if you haven't completed it in class, it's because you're having difficulty. So which means the yeah. kids that are comprehending the materials typically don't have a ton of homework. It's mm-hmm. the it's the individuals that are having difficulty. And then, of course, well, you're going to go home. Well, where's the teacher? Where's the expert? And all you're going to have is mom and dad who go, I don't get this new math. math Why yeah. are they doing it mm-hmm. this way? And, and so the whole system kind of gets mucked up that way. Right way. And I've been studying what they're doing in Finland as well, Nadia, and I, I think it's fascinating. What do you think the chances are, Norm, that we move towards this? Is this something that, that MTS is, is imploring the school divisions to look at closer? How do changes like that, because that would be a sea change, right? To, to mm-hmm. go to a, a situation or philosophy like that. Well, we're always cautious whenever you
3: adopt another country's uh, methodology, so to speak, and uh, uh, with respect to Finland and their their test scores uh, that a lot of people seem to, to point at uh, or point to rather is uh, I think what we need to do is take the best of, of varying uh, countries and, and as we do with other classrooms and, and adopt some of the stuff here. But it is a huge departure for parents. Uh, for some parents anyways, is that the way we were educated is that uh, we necessarily feel that that's the way it should work. And so that's where the the wrestling that I hear quite often is, is that, wait, there is no homework and there should be more testing and there should be uh, rows of kids and there should be more memorization and let's return to basics when all the research and those successful uh, areas or countries are are not doing that as they're allowing the kids to to explore and, and, and to learn those things uh, as Nadia was saying and uh, to have the teacher kind of guide them along this educational journey but then people again look at is this output based is this, is this so that we can get kids in jobs and hey wait a second this won't fly in, in, in business and of course we have to uh, be conscious all the time of, uh, of making uh, uh, good things work. We're going to pause
0: our conversation on Teacher and Staff Appreciation Week with our guests in studio after
2: Global News at one thirty on 680. CJOB. Tuesday afternoon, 1.34. He's Brett. I'm Greg. We're celebrating teachers and staff at schools around, across Canada, but of course in particular here in Manitoba. Norm Gould is the president of the Manitoba Teachers' Society. He's here with us along with Naomi Cruz. She's executive director of the Manitoba Association of Parent Councils, and Nadia Cantafio. She is a teacher at Lakewood School. She deals with grade four and five students. And uh, I'm I'm giving you the the Namaste sign because mm-hmm. my boys are in grade five, and I can only imagine what it's like to manage grade four and five students. But the idea of relationships, so just and and that communication. Uh, we were talking about that before our break and the idea that there are no more surprises, right? You shouldn't be finding no. out on a Friday <laughs> night that there's this major project that was assigned five weeks ago that's mm-hmm. now due on Monday because teachers send out the emails, the blog is there. Yeah. The, the, and those are the sorts of things that used to happen all the time, right, Brett? <laughs> You would you would hide that that social studies report and the fact that it was due from your parents till the very last minute. I think Brad
3: actually was saying that at break there. Uh, how mischievous he was in his youth and uh, I wrote down a, f- a number of uh, things that he did uh, during his uh, <laughs> school career and uh, I'm going to share that. I might even write an article for uh, the Manitoba Teacher Magazine and kind of caution teachers to uh, look for these sorts of uh, things, but uh, wait for that to come out.
0: Well, I, I hate to dis- disappoint everybody here, but I was kind of a boring, good student who did his homework on time and got good grades. It wasn't until after okay,
2: that was me, then. school that I was uh,
0: became a, a Deviant, so. Yeah,
2: and that was me because anonymity, anonymity, right? You you meet the teacher a couple times a year and that was it, right? And how was your day at school? Yeah, fine. That was the end of it.
1: And it's not the end anymore. Like I said, like with our classroom blog and our classroom Instagram, I mean, parents are connected on our Instagram as well. So by the time they go and check the feed while they're on their lunch break or whatever on their way home from work, they can see what the child has been doing at school. So by the time they get home, they're like, it's not... What did you do at school today? And it's nothing. It's more, hey, I saw you working on a human rights project. Like, tell me about that. So it kind of creates that homeschool connection, just strengthens it because they're seeing what the kids are doing live in real time.
3: And I think... uh Naomi can uh, comment more on this too, but the involvement of teachers even in the budgetary process in schools now has changed uh, dramatically from many, many years ago as well. Of course, we know that uh, parents in the community are school trustees, but uh, the involvement of parents not only in classrooms, but in schools across the province in the budgetary process and what the uh, priorities are, the allocation of resources has evolved.
4: Um, yeah, it's. I would say it's evolved. It, it depends, though, again, because it depends on the communication that's coming home to parents. It depends on their ability to access the information so they can ask good questions during the process. Um, so as long as the willingness is there for people to communicate and to say we want you to be a part of this process in something other than a tokenistic matter and to actually come there with good questions, good ideas, um, you know, when understandings aren't there, then certainly that the ability to develop that understanding is is... Um, is honored, then I think that good things happen with communities when they do involve parents in that way. But to have the patience and the understanding that not all parents are coming in equipped to have those discussions and that the ability to develop um, their their resources so they can be part of that com- that conversation in a constructive manner is certainly going to mean more in the long run.
3: And I'm going to take this opportunity to do a little shout-out to my uh, son's uh, teacher uh, Adrienne Karine. Uh, she just thanked me this morning. She said, Thank you for the cupcakes. The students really enjoyed having a sweet treat this morning during math. So, a combination of uh Fun and work at the same time on this lovely Valentine's Day. Well, that's good. I like cupcakes. We should have. I guess I'm we sorry. Should have, I should have brought some cupcakes. I guess we should have had some ready to go. For I, our, I think I might have eaten them on here. my way. <laughs> <laughs> so my my deepest apologies. They were good, by the way.
0: Let me ask a question of you, Naomi Cruz, executive director of the Manitoba Association of Parent Councils. With the technology that is available to you, and with the the ease at which you can now communicate with teachers, has that created any problems for some parents to be too much of a Budinsky at all?
4: I don't know. I don't want to call that a parent problem. That's a people problem, right? It's not necessarily parents that have that. But um, the, the tech, using technology for communication works when it works and if they have access to it because don't forget, there's a lot of communities in, in Manitoba that don't have that kind of access. There's a lot of parents that don't have the ability to access so it's using a variety of tools and we've had many conversations about that in the province. It's it's you know the technology is one to 10 20 different types of tools. You need multiple tools to uh, communicate with parents and to involve them in those conversations and you know like shout outs to all the divisions that are really working to include technology as part of their their communication process. But there's still a lot of teachers that aren't comfortable using it. There's not a lot of parents that aren't comfortable using it. There's a lot of families that don't have technology in the home. So you can't use that as your go-to answer in all instances. When it does work, it's awesome. It's, it's really inspiring to watch what schools can do nowadays with technology and how parents get involved. And parents themselves are starting. Parent councils will start Facebook pages, Instagram accounts, Twitter accounts, um, as long as they're doing that collaboratively with the division then it works really well. But you've got to have some rules in place and people have to understand and honour the intent of the technology and not how you can abuse the technology for personal motives.
2: Uh, Norm, you mentioned the budgeting process and mm-hmm. uh, off-air you, you threw the number $2.1 billion. That's a mm-hmm. provincial budget for education on the on the provincial level. Does that include the provincial contribution and everything that comes in from property tax or is that a combination of all sources? Well, I, I might not be wholly
3: accurate at the $2.1 billion, but I am accurate in saying that uh, education and health care are the two largest mm-hmm. uh, components of, uh, of funding. Of course, uh, funding for, for schools in the province of Manitoba, there's about 60% that's funded by the province of Manitoba and the 40, uh, remaining 40% from local taxation.
2: So as we, this is kind of budget time now, and mm-hmm. we're seeing that uh, several of the school divisions are talking about 3.5% in Pembina Trails, mm-hmm. Winnipeg School Division, anywhere from 3 and 4.5%. The the Premier had a comment on that yesterday, and I'm going to play it for you, and I want to get your reaction. Sure.
3: Respect very much your challenges. We have them too. Um, look forward to seeing you look within your organization to find savings as much as possible. Don't just simply go to the taxpayer and ask for another higher tax. That's not the right way to deal with it.
2: What's your reaction when you hear something like that?
3: Well, uh, part of it, I think, of course, is prudent. Always, uh, we all manage our own households and we have mortgages and we have income and uh, When you have uh, resources coming in, you need to make sure that those resources are allocated appropriately. Uh, If it translates into a loss of jobs or loss of programming or loss of uh, services for for children, well, then, of course, uh, we're not in favor of that, and and, uh, I'm I'm totally opposed to that. Uh, However, when the uh, province of Manitoba, I believe it was a couple weeks ago, announced a 1% increase, which was uh, translated to 13.1%. Uh, $13.1 million, pardon me, is, uh, you know, that uh, doesn't even keep pace with inflation as well. uh, The province of Manitoba is growing uh, very, very well at uh, 3.9% growth. And so at a time when the economy is growing, sure, there are challenges when it comes to our uh, revenue versus expenses. And, uh, when this government was elected, they had said there was an eight year plan. And, uh, you know, I think that that's uh, something that we should, uh, hold this government accountable to, to stick to that eight year plan. And, uh, I think we can all work together to, to achieve that. And when it comes down to school divisions and, and making, uh, uh, decisions, we, again, we just hope it's not at the expense of programming or, or, those people that are taxpayers, that are teachers. It could be young teachers, term teachers that are doing great things, uh, Uh, If if it's at their expense, then uh, that is just not what uh, I think this province stands for.
0: Norm, uh, let me ask you another question here. And this is entirely anecdotal, so you can either confirm it or or shoot it down. But I was out for dinner on Saturday with a friend who says that their friend, uh, I guess they're an education grad, Mm -hmm. trying to find a job in Winnipeg and simply can't. And it sounds like uh, maybe one out of five education grads will find work work. Mm-hmm. In, uh, in Winnipeg, so mm-hmm. you're involved in the system. Is there any truth to that?
3: Well, there's always been, uh, uh, until, unless there's uh, quite a few uh, retirements, but uh, certainly when you look at the, the various faculties across this province uh, pumping out graduates, um, there's not enough jobs for everyone, certainly. And so what happens is that uh, uh, these graduates uh, uh, wind up on substitute lists or they accept term contracts, but uh, until there's a, a, a dramatic change, we're going to continue to have graduates, and, and it's going to be difficult, uh, certainly, to uh, find work.
2: And we're going to take a pause to look at the weather again, and, and then we'll shift back to uh, uh, the future of education, but I want to ask one question that seems to come up every time a question like Brett's comes up, as it pertains to teachers finding jobs oh it's so hard it's impossible to yeah. get rid of a bad teacher norm well no that's that's uh, absolutely
3: fundamentally in- incorrect is that uh, uh, first of all i guess you have to define what a bad teacher is and who does that but uh, every school division has a policy on uh, teacher evaluation and there's a process there and there's a rotation, whether it's every three years, every five years. And there's a, a super, supervision where uh, the principal goes in the classroom, the goals and objectives in advance. There's uh, criteria and rubrics. And uh, there, if, if a teacher is subpar and uh, not cutting the mustard, so to speak. There is uh, an avenue, of course, after you try and, and assist them and, and give them some more professional development. And there is, there is a point, of course, when uh, uh, another career option is uh, is recommended. And uh, it does happen. It's uh, something that uh, no one wants. And, but in any career, is uh, you're going to have some people that just uh, aren't successful.
2: Nadia mentioned something. This is where we'll go when we come back. Nadia mentioned we're training our children for Jobs that don't exist yet. And Brett and I have had discussions about some of those potential jobs, but every statistic you see says that in 2025. Uh, 60% of the workforce will be working in positions, jobs, vocations that don't exist now. So we'll talk about the challenge of giving our children and what sort of skills do they need. We'll talk about that as we continue our celebration of teachers and the staff at schools on this teacher and staff appreciation week here on 680 CJOB. One forty nine on this Tuesday afternoon. Happy St. Valentine's Day. It's Teacher and Staff Appreciation Week all across Canada. And we're celebrating with our friends from the Manitoba Teacher Society. Norm Gould is the president. Naomi Cruz is executive director of the Manitoba Association of Parent Councils. And Nadia Cantafio, she is at the heart of the system. She is a grade 4 or 5 teacher at Lakewood School. And Nadia, we were discussing this idea of training our kids and giving our kids the skills they need to compete in a job market that doesn't necessarily exist now. So what are those skills that we're trying to give them and, and create for them?
1: Well, I mean, like we were talking over the break, it's not where we're you know training kids to work in factories anymore, right? The industrial revolution's over. And so we're looking more at those soft skills. So we're looking for them to be problem solvers and critical thinkers and collaborators and be able to sit down and work with someone on a project, right? I mean, you guys aren't here doing the show by yourself, right? You have to be able to work with other people. So looking at those soft skills is more of the focus now um, rather than you know going back to these ideas of standardized, standardized testing, because they need these skills, because we don't know what kind of jobs they're going to have by the time they graduate,
2: and a lot of people want to judge the entire system based on standardized tests mm-hmm. where Manitoba's had some difficulty on the yeah. overall list within Canada. Absolutely, but if you compare yeah. it to the rest of the world, boy, we're, I mean, we're still competitive. I'm not an apologist for anybody, but I, I try to look at things with a, you know, with Certainly. a, with a, with a microscope. What's your take on on our results? Well, I dorm? think we could
3: just spend a full day talking about uh, standardized testing and, and comparing uh, and contrasting uh, teacher uh, school divisions and pro and the province and our results. And, you look at our neighboring provinces and exclusion rates, and people say, "What's an exclusion rate?" Well, what happens is there's seven or eight percent of the kids in the in the population there that they just say don't aren't writing the test. But in Manitoba, we had a very low exclusion rate, so everyone writes the test. And our circumstances here in Manitoba are quite different than other other provinces. And I'm not making excuses. These are facts. And uh, the socioeconomic conditions in the province of Manitoba, if you were to, <laughs> to, to chart it out and have those postal codes and, and, and overlay that on the test results of so the standardized test, you'd see a one-for-one match. But in terms of the, the standardized test, because it's bantered about quite a bit is a standardized testing uh, as as part of an overall assessment strategy or standards testing. As Natty was talking about, uh, there's a variety of ways that we assess our kids, our students on a a daily basis. And I don't necessarily think that we can judge the success or failure of a school system based on a standardized test, especially uh, one that's made in Paris and uh, what worries me and concerns uh, the Manit- uh, members of the Manitoba Teachers Society, when you start going down an avenue of standardized testing, then you're going to start having uh, comparing kids, comparing teachers, comparing classrooms, comparing schools. And uh, all we have to do is look down to the, not the, the success, actually the failure in the United States. And it really is alarming when uh, we look to the South, which has a horrific education system. There's no doubt about it uh, for ideas on how to enhance our educational system system because uh, they, they were in the shame game there of comparing schools and allocating resources in the reverse to common sense, where those schools that scored the highest got the most money and those that uh, scored the least got less money, which is counterintuitive because you'd want to allocate your resources. So I really caution people when they want to go to standardized testing and, and, and make their decisions strictly on that and how a kid does on that. And this this classroom is more successful in this one or, or school is more successful in another school. And then you're going to have the haves and the have-nots and you're going to pit people in it's going to be an adversarial system, and that's not the Manitoba that uh, we want.
0: Nadia, can Tafio, grade 4 and 5 teacher at Lakewood School. When you come up with these these ideas like uh, the Instagram, for example, was that your idea, by the way?
1: Or- uh, a lot of teachers have had it over the years. Okay. Yeah.
0: So when you do stuff like that, do the kids say,
1: hey, that's pretty cool,
0: that's uh, that's not what I would have thought of, or do they do they tell you if they don't like it?
1: I mean, um, every child like has their own... Uh, preference, Right. So some preferred not to be photographed or on the class Instagram. We respect that. And we talk about respecting differences and diversity in our classroom. But I actually started when I was in grade two, three. So it was very new. I actually had quite a actually a couple kids in grade three who already had their own Instagram. Oh my. So I used it. <laughs> yeah. So and, you know, their Instagrams weren't private. So I used it as an education piece of saying, you know what, how do we stay safe online? So that was kind of the first springboard of it. And then as I moved into four or five, you know, you kind of get into those beginnings of cyberbullying and, you know, attacking online and uh, the mean girl kind of and mean boy um, world. So I kind of use it as a teaching point of who you are online defines who you are in person as well. So really building that character piece as well. So it's a huge education piece. It's not only communication with parents and showing other people what we can do, but it's also educating students because sometimes parents don't. Always know what their kids are doing online as well. So we talk
2: about millennials, and I promised I wasn't going to use that word for the rest <laughs> of the week, but because we, we, I'm tired of the word, I'm tired of defining an entire generation with one single word, which which has all sorts of connotations, a lot of them negative for people that are older. But when we talk about young people, I find them, you know, so brilliant. These ideas that they're having, they're socially minded, they're engaged on a level. I thought I was engaged when I was a kid, not even close close. Mm-hmm. Maybe just set those that don't have school-age kids, set their mind at ease that the generations uh, coming up are, they're different, they've they've got a mindset that we can't even comprehend and, and maybe some of us can't relate to because they're so brilliant.
1: You know, in my grade 4 or 5 classroom, we actually came up with a conversation with Trump what was happening with the travel ban. We had a full 45-minute conversation talking about human rights and um, you know, what rights are being challenged and why do you think they're doing this and what do we need to do to change and how do we make a kinder world? And the conversations coming from these 9 and 10-year-olds was amazing. I mean, the posters, I had one kid, I have to show it to you later, had an airplane It says, when, when U.S. says no, Canada says yes, right? And just talking about our Canadian identity. So these are really deep, rich conversations. It's not just surface learning. It's really digging deep into issues and making them aware of being, what is going on in the world and how do we contribute in our own way to me. be kind.
0: It is Teacher and Staff Appreciation Week on until the 18th. We are out of time. We want to thank our guests, Norm Gould, who is the president of the Manitoba Teachers Society. Nadia Cantafio, who is a grade and 4 grade four and 5 teacher at Lakewood School. And Naomi Cruz, who is the Executive Director of the Manitoba Association of Parent Councils. The website's, by the way, for the Teacher Society, mbteach.org. And for the Association of Parent Councils, it's mapc.mb.ca. Mackling and McGarry, the news is next on 680 CJOB.
3: Mackling and McGarry on 680 CJOB.